What would Prophet Muhammad say to Americans today? Well, the first thing he would say is the famous words of Assalamu Alaikum. He would give you peace, he would share peace, he embodied peace. And so something that he would start off with would be peace. He envisioned peace. He wanted peace established inside and out, everywhere around us. That was his main goal. That was his main purpose. The second thing that he would definitely say is he would ask Americans today that believe in and worship in the one and true God. And he would say this is not just a lip service. Don't just simply say it, but truly believe it. And pray to this God several times a day and realize that God is the helper of all your affairs and nobody else. Today in this day and age, these two introductory statements, Assalamu Alaikum, and for us to worship God Almighty, the one true God, is something that is escaping the minds of our youth today so rapidly that atheism, agnosticism, deist, everybody who doesn't wish to believe in God the way me and you believe in God, that group is rapidly growing. Especially amongst our youth. More and more people are choosing to believe in a God but not a personal God. A God who created this universe but has no connection with me and you. A God who's there but you don't really know what He is. That is the God that majority of our youth today are embracing. A God that is distant. A God that doesn't bother us with commandments. A God that doesn't try to communicate with some of us and not others. A God that is very far away. Who doesn't intervene in our affairs. There is of course a small portion of atheists, people who do not believe in God at all. But that number is very small. Majority of our youth and the majority of America is embracing the idea that there is a God, but He is a God that is very distant. He is a God that does not interfere. He is a God that has nothing to do with us. He created it and that's enough. We of course believe in the very first and foremost thing that the Holy Prophet Muhammad ﷺ would tell our youth today in America that God is the one and true God and He is a personal God. He is a God that still speaks today as He did in the past. He still hears as He used to hear. He will connect with you, He can change your world, He can make your world better but you have to connect with Him. And a distant God is of no use to anybody. But a personal God is of every use to everybody. If you look around us today, just for a moment, think about what you see around us. The challenges, the difficulties. Don't think about just the, the, the sugar-coated 
nice things. Don't think about Krispy Kreme and, you know, and McDonald's and these things. Don't think about that for a moment. Think about some of the struggles that exist in America right now. Let me give you one statistic. Every nine seconds in the United States, a woman is assaulted. Every nine seconds. Not in Timbuktu, not in Zimbabwe, but in the United States. Now get a little bit deeper. Think about it. Think about what are the challenges around us. You know, we are blessed to be Muslims. We are blessed to be Ahmadi Muslims. And that is why if the Holy Prophet Muhammad were to speak to Americans today, he would address their issues head on. And let's be honest, people need God and a degree of morality more than they have ever needed in the past. If you look at the Holy Quran, you read the example of just one prophet, and then you read the example of another prophet, and another prophet, and you can read the example of all the prophets. And the, the people of those prophets, the different, different sins and iniquities and transgressions that they committed. Me and you can agree that just in this block, around the neighborhood of the mosque itself, all of those sins probably exist. So think deeper for a moment. What are some of the problems of today? What are those things that the Holy Prophet Muhammad would face head on? What are those crises that exist in America? Because we've had enough speeches where we talk about love and peace. We pat each other on the back. We get up and we go home. We have some nice dinner. And we don't address the actual problems that each and every one of us faces on a daily basis. Especially our youth. Every morning you have to get up and go to school into a new world. A new place altogether. Where these challenges are right in front of your face. And many of us have no idea what our stance, what the stance of Islam would be. The first and foremost I would say, that if the Holy Prophet Muhammad ﷺ were to stand here, he would say to America, treat your people in a truly democratic way. Now again, you might be thinking, what does that mean? What does that have to do with Islam? See, what you don't understand is that Islam came to establish social justice, to create a utopian society, a society where everybody's voices are heard. But in this world, in America where we live today, it is wealth, it is marketing, it's institutions that have voices. The people, unfortunately, do not have voices. All of the people today in America, they are suppressed either by voter registration laws that are coming up in order to stop people from voting. Or whether it's gerrymandering, in certain areas are just cut up so that their voice is just less. And so when we speak about the ideals of America, we know it's equality and justice for all. All men are created equal. We talk about these things. They're indoctrinated in our hearts and our minds that as Americans we believe in equality. But when you look at the real picture of what's happening in America today, what do you see? You see gerrymandering, you see voter registration laws that create obstacles so that people usually of color, people who are minorities in this country have less of a voice. That's not having a true democratic spirit. And why do I mention that? What does it have to do with Islam? What does it have to do with the example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad 
وسلم. The example is at the time when he was in Medina and it was time for a census. You know, we're about to have the 2020 census in America. When it was time for the census in Medina, he sent, he sent his people and he said, Go. And each person you ask, if they say they are one thing, if they say they are Muslim, write them down as Muslim. Period. Give each and every person that right to share the information, share their data, collect it, and then they will be registered as such. What this embodied was a time and a place when everybody's voices were not heard. Remember, they were slaves. He didn't say if they're slaves, don't go to them. If they're from Africa, don't go to them. If they're not Arabs, don't go to them. He never said that. He said, go to each person and simply ask them a question. So as we move forward, we're going to see the census is starting to kick in. We're going to hear about it from politicians and different people. And we should not be shy. We should not be locking our door and saying, I don't want to answer these questions. This is that truly democratic way that the Holy Prophet Muhammad has taught us to follow. Now among those people I've mentioned already to you, the minorities. Most of them are African Americans, Latinos here in America. They're marginalized. Just looking at the example of how many people, how many of these minorities are incarcerated in America alone, the numbers are so ridiculous that they would probably surpass some countries' entire populations. That is how many Americans, especially amongst these minorities, are in prison today in America. Now many of you might be thinking, oh yeah, they've done something wrong, they should be there. But it's the injustices behind it. It's giving one person a higher sentence because he's a person of color, while another person something else. The Holy Prophet Muhammad did not believe in this kind of injustice. The purpose was always reformation. If somebody is to be punished, it is to reform himself and to reform society. Not simply to enact cruelty. As you know that when he was married to his wife, Hazrat Khadija, anha, the very first thing he did, once she came to him and she said, all of the wealth I have, everything I own, I would like to give it to you. And he says, Oh Khadija, are you sure? Think it through. You don't have to, it's your wealth. And she says, No, everything I have decided, I want to give you it all. He said, If you give it to me, my desire will be to free all of your slaves. I do not wish to be the master of any human being on this earth. And she said, Yes, do as you please. There you see the example. He freed his slaves right away. Instantly, without thinking about their value, their worth, how much they are, he did not, it did not matter to him. He let them, he set them free. Another issue, again, with regards to race, with regards to the discrimination that exists in America, the racism that exists in America, he highlighted the injustices he would talk about the systemically marginalized people, where they're living, the ill-funded neighborhoods, the fact that they don't have hospitals, they don't have schools. The entire society around them is engineered against them. They're not given that ability 
to fly if they wish to fly. Now you see, when you look at the example of the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, what do you see? You see when the muhajireen, when the immigrants, the foreigners, when they came into Medina, among them what kind of people were there? They were Africans. They were slaves. And they were some rich, some wealthy, some high status. But they were a mixed array of people. What did he do the moment they arrived in Medina? He established brotherhoods. A system of brotherhood. Where he matched every foreigner with a local. Every muhajireen or muhajir was assigned to a nasir, to an ansar. And in this way they became brothers. And they helped each other. And it did not matter if the other person was a slave. It did not matter what he was on the other side. It created that bond of brotherhood. That is what we have to do today. Look, there are charities all around us. Churches for the last... 200 years have been giving funds and money and trying to shake it up but what do we see the reality of the picture today we see that there's always going to be a black church and a white church there's going to be neighborhoods that are predominantly one way and their religion is already decided for them while Islam does not view that way today just amongst us today there's Guyanese there's Pakistanis there'll be Bengalis there are different people amongst us today and that is what Islam wants Islam demands that we mix who we are and when we stand for prayer, we stand shoulder to shoulder. We do not choose who we're going to stand next to. The point that he would highlight, he would say that freedom, real freedom, true freedom, is to empower these people, remove the barriers that are engineered to suppress them. Now this takes us to the next subject, which he would always champion in his life. He would definitely talk about wealth equality. The distribution of wealth. Today I just heard just recently that there are three people in America who own the same wealth as the bottom half of America. That means on one end there's three people, on the other end there's 120 million people. They both have the same amount of wealth. And as we move forward, what happens? This inequality grows and grows and grows. And we find out more and more every day that there's these huge companies in America and these huge CEOs who don't give a single dollar towards taxes. They don't give a single penny. None of that money that they collect, that they, that they earn, that they get, gets circulated. What does that create? That creates animosity. Our missionary in 1930 right before the Great Depression. He spoke about this exact same wealth inequality. He said, today look at the differences. He said, if you allow these differences or the handful of people to have all the wealth, what will that happen? He said, it will either create hatred or it will create crime. There's no other option. He said, if less people have all of the wealth in their hands and they control all of that wealth, it will create either hatred or it will create crime. This is why Islam is so beautiful. He gave the example, he said, and the Holy Prophet Muhammad وسلم, would very clearly say the same thing. He would say, look, the wealthy have to give their fair share. Give back to society. And at least 2.5% of their surplus wealth, even that would result in a profound change in society. 
1930, he would give the example. He would say $2.50 of every $100 you make. Or every $100 you have in surplus. He said, give it back to the poor. Give it back to society. And you will see America will change. And of course, nobody heard his call. So what did we end up in? The Great Depression. Today we are feeling the same vibe today. We are feeling the same impact today. When less and less people, more and more billionaires are being created. And the, mar- and the, and the difference between the rich and the poor is growing even more and more. This is something that our Holy Prophet Muhammad will tell America, warn America, that it's time to give back our fair share and help society grow. Allow money to be circulated and not in the hands of a few. The next we see, a big challenge in America, is where people stand on partisan lines and not on the side of the nation itself. We see somebody will say, I'm Democrat, I'm Republican, that's it. They will not look at what is the benefit of the society today. What does America need today? That's why nobody is willing to stand up and speak up. And actually tell America what are the solutions. It is only Islam that has these beautiful solutions, but unfortunately, as we get further and further into it, more and more people will just pick their party before their nation. But what is the Holy Prophet Muhammad He says, loyalty to your country of residence, to your country, is part of your faith. He didn't say loyalty to your party is part of your faith. Or loyalty to one idea. Or loyalty to something that benefits you. He says, loyalty to your country is part of your faith. And that is something that we need to share with our neighbors and our friends and our American brothers and sisters. So they can understand that right now, there are times when we have to make decisions that are best for America. They may not be the best for your particular party. And the same thing has happened with regards to companies. I was just watching a documentary recently. And it talks about how companies in America, for example GM, they have allowed CEOs to take bonuses huge bonuses as a, as a token of the company's appreciation and what have they taken it away from? from R&D from actual resource and development instead of making the company better the product better they simply slap on some more bonuses for the CEOs and so what has happened? other companies that don't do this they have been throwing more funds, more money back into the companies, back into the employers, employment, uh, sorry, employees, and back into the actual product. And that is why products around the world are starting to surpass products built in America or built by American companies. This is again because people have taken their own interest even above the interest of the company itself. CEOs have decided that it's better for us to get a bonus than for our car or our product to be the best on the market. These are small ills that have crept up into our society and they are continuing to grow. While the Holy Prophet Muhammad what did he say? So beautiful. He saw a man selling dates. And at the top of the dates, they were really nice, beautiful, ripe dates. Just perfect. And when he put his hand inside, he saw that the entire bottom of the bag was rotten completely. 
He said, this is injustice, this is wrong. This is sinful, this is not right. You should sell exactly what it is that you are selling. The buyer should be aware. And he created such a utopian society that people were so honest. There's an example of a man who was selling a horse. To give you a random number, he said the horse is $300. And a man came to buy it, looked at the horse, examined the horse and says, I will give you $500 for it. The horse is such good condition that I think it's worth more. The seller says, no, 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 no. I only want $300 for it. That's enough for me. He's only worth $300. And this is the debate they have. How many of us do that today? How many of us have a broken iPhone and we put it on Craigslist and we just kind of shine it up and don't tell anybody what's wrong with it? These are the injustices that are growing within our societies. We have to remove them. And last, but definitely not the least, His mercy for mankind surpassed all. There was no comparison. And He would stand here and He would urge America to seriously look at our gun violence in America and the death toll that it's causing. He would not say it's okay for children in in an elementary school to be gunned down mercilessly. He would not say it's okay for us to have news every other day of another child or another person or another human being just being killed all in the name of security. People feel they have the right to secure themselves. See, remember that in Arabia, this was a place where everybody was trigger happy. They always had a sword on their chest ready to kill somebody, chop somebody's head off. It was that kind of environment where the Holy Prophet Muhammad took these tribes and eliminated tribalism. He took this enmity and this hatred that existed amongst people and he made it vanish from thin air. People who would fight for 40 years one day woke up and decided no longer to fight. In America today, we have places, we have people, we have people who think having an AK-47 or something that's strapped up is is the only way to survive in America and that their weapons should not be taken. But the reality is we have to change the moral standard of who we are. Is it really safety to know that everybody is strapped with a gun? How would it feel if everybody had a, a sword in their hands or a machete right now? Would it feel safe in this room? This is something we have to help educate those around us. You see the message of the Holy Prophet Muhammad from all of these crises that I've mentioned, by and large, true Muslims of America have been free from these above issues. Think about it. And in addition to these, Muslims have been free from the opioid crisis. They've been free from this alcohol abuse and addiction. They've been free from this promiscuity, porn industry. We've been free from these things. But it's only a matter of time if we don't start speaking about it, talking about what our stance is, making sure that our youth understand where we stand. We stand next to the Holy Prophet Muhammad We stand in front of him, behind him on his right and on his left. We take his message and we help solve these problems. There was a 
old Greek legend that was mentioned by the same missionary, Sufi Bengali Sahib, in 1930s. He says that the Greek legend was that there was this huge demon and he would ambush people. And right before devouring them, killing them, destroying them, he would ask them a series of questions. And if they were so unfortunate as to answer the wrong answer, they would be devoured instantly. Sufi Bengali Sahib says that every era, every age has its questions. It demands answers to certain questions. They have problems and challenges of every era. Whichever religion is not able to answer them, that religion it gets devoured. That religion gets destroyed. Islam on the other hand, has the answers to these questions. Has the solutions to these problems. You see the people in Arabia, they were worse than the people around us today. They were alcoholics, they were womenizers, they were trigger-happy racist people who did not see everybody as equal. They said, Arab and Ajmi. Arab is one kind of people and everybody else is classified as somebody else. And yet, he was able to transform these people. That itself was such a triumph. Just imagine for a second, a people who were considered wild beasts became superpowers within the span of 23 years. 23 years is nothing. And that's why this gives us hope for America today. That if our missionaries have been speaking and our pioneer Muslims have been embracing this message of the Holy Prophet Muhammad wasallam, the same message we've heard from for the last 100 years, then it's just a matter of time when we spread this enough that these problems will begin to vanish. These challenges will begin to disappear. And that beautiful utopian society that the Holy Prophet Muhammad envisioned for the entire world will begin to be a reality. But there's also one element that Sufi Mangali Sahib mentioned which I agree with him. He says, but he would also he would also appreciate and give tribute to the tremendous progress America has made. He would not leave it without that mention. He would appreciate the spirit of tolerance. He would appreciate the pursuit of knowledge. And of course he would appreciate the incomparable achievements that America has made in so many ways. But lastly, before leaving, we know that he would say what Allah Almighty has commanded him to say. Allah says, "A'udhu billahi min ash-shaytani rajim Qul in kuntum tuhibun Allah fattabiyuni yuhibbukum Allah." The Holy Prophet Muhammad, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, is commanded to tell the world, and that therefore he would tell America today that if you love Allah, or if you wish that Allah should love you. Follow me, follow the Holy Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and then and only then will Allah love you. What is that example of somebody following him? I want to share one example today for us to understand to what extent we should follow him, how we should find unique ways of displaying our love for him. You all know very well that in the Battle of Uhud, the Holy Prophet Muhammad. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was attacked. 
And because of that, one of his tooth, teeth or tooths was shaheed. He lost it. Now at that very moment, all the Sahaba reacted in different ways. Some stood there for his protection. Others mourned the loss of his tooth. And some just prayed. There was different ways of showing that affection and love. But a man in a very distant land came to know of this. His name was Hazrat Avayas Karni. And when he was met, and the person noticed that all of his teeth were broken, he asked him, why are your teeth broken? He said, when I heard that our Master Prophet Muhammad وسلم, lost his tooth on the battle of Uhud, I decided that I will break each and every one of my teeth in remembrance and in loyalty to my Prophet. That is the kind of love and affection that he showed. That is the kind of love and affection that he displayed. And in the life of the Holy Prophet Muhammad Hazrat Umar was told that you will be the one who will meet Avais Karni one day. And when you go to this man, convey my salam and ask him to pray for my ummah. Imagine the kind of love that they had for each other. He said, convey my salam, but also ask him to pray for my ummah. This is why today we have to urge our youth, urge our adults, but especially our youth, that we have to study the great life of the Holy Prophet Muhammad We have to find every which way to follow his example. Every little thing that we can find, we should find it and we should follow it and we should put it, make it part of our lives. Because as the second Khalifa has very beautifully said, nations cannot be reformed without the reformation of the youth. It is our prayer that may Allah can help us today bless America and bring it to the fold of Islam and for it to understand the truth that God Almighty is one and that He is something that everybody should aspire to connect with and be one with. May Allah help us. Ameen. Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala ali Muhammadin wa barik wa sallim inna ka hamidu majid.